to You're Like Really Pretty, where you can be each Spice Girl multiple times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, awesome. So let's get into it. Oh, Spice Girls are in it. I love it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That is is definitely staying uh, relevant as referencing the Spice Girls. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Whatever. They're still awesome. So, okay, yeah, we'll get started. Uh, my name is Lizzie Smith, and I am joined today by a couple fabulous ladies. Uh, Jennifer, who was on our first, very first episode, I've asked back because she got such rave reviews as a co-host. Uh, I'm also joined by Lisa, who is our guest today, and we're going to be asking her some questions about a recent journey that she went on through this past year. Um, she actually posted about it on her Instagram, and I was just so inspired and motivated and really just wanted to talk a little bit more about what she went through, what she experienced, questions she were asked that maybe weren't super helpful, questions that maybe she wanted people to ask her, and how you can kind of better relate to other people that might be going through this change or transition in their life. So hello, Lisa, do you want to just say hello and uh, talk a little bit about yourself? Oh, sure. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, my name is Lisa. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Um, I am a part-time underemployed yoga instructor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the first question that I go through each episode is, was if there was ever an instance in your life when you really prettied someone, did you make an assumption about someone based on their appearance or the way they just presented themselves to you? And is there something you would have liked to have told yourself at that time that you know now? Is there even something that you're currently working on to better relate to others that maybe you first meet or you've been coming across lately. And with no judgment. And with no judgments. You can be as honest or as dishonest as you want. This is a safe space. (laughs) I generally err on the side of honesty um, to a fault sometimes. (laughs) The direction to go. (laughs) I like don't, I can't lie. It's like I'm a dead giveaway. You know what I mean? Um, The tricky thing for me is that like, I haven't really been in contact with too many people lately. (laughs) Um, Just like this whole pandemic situation, um, trying times, I really have like such a small social um, life. And that's a huge change for me because I'm like such an extrovert. So check on your extroverts, people (laughs) like we're not okay. But um, let me think like pre-judgments I have of people. I don't know. I have one of these things where like sometimes my snap judgment of someone isn't necessarily correct in the sense that like sometimes the people I have a strongest reaction to end up being the people I get along best with. So mm-hmm. I think it's just one of those things where keep an open mind to it. Like I feel like sometimes that strong reaction can be a blessing and it can turn itself into like a um, a better situation than, than you thought it would be. Uh, I can't really think of any one person in particular. I'm not going to like out people who I'm no, that's fine. No, I think that's, I think that's perfect. I love that. Honestly, I love, you know, thinking that you have a strong reaction to someone and then saying like, okay, let's investigate this further. Like, why did I feel so strongly about this? And then, yeah. So it might even pull you more towards them or make like gravitate you a little bit more. Um, And I was actually thinking about this question I was going to ask you because I feel like uh, 
you know, in the yoga world, and I've, you know, practiced a fair amount of yoga throughout the years. And, you know, yoga itself, especially you go to like most yoga classes, and they're all about, they're all about like, no judgments, like, this is just a place for you to practice and be yourself and this and that. And I'd be halfway through a class. And I'd be like, who is this chick next to me? Who does she think she is? (laughs) (laughs) And it was only because like, you know, she would be like getting into a headstand and I can't do one. And my immediate like reaction was to think that, oh, she's just trying to impress people, you know, and then reflecting back on it. Or I would in, in that class, like walk back and say, you know what, she's, she is having her practice right now in this moment. That is what feels best to her. Just, you know, maybe you'll get there one day. It's okay that you're not there right now, but I definitely like would, put that out there a fair amount in my yoga classes just because I want to be able to do things really badly. And I think a lot of times our first reaction is to judge the person that is able to do these things. Oh, of course. And yoga in particular, it's interesting because they say there's no competition in yoga, which it's, it also evolves the more that your practice evolves and it is a practice. Like they call it a practice for a reason because like it's, you show up every day or however often you want to. And like your practice is going to morph and it's going to be totally different one month in one year in than it started. Right. And a lot of people start, you know, with such a different intention and then it, and it turns into something different. I could, we'll have to do a different episode just on, on, my on yoga, on and on, but it is true. Like it is um, such a personal practice. Right. And it's like, it, you're always kind of like turning inward and it is kind of triggering sometimes to see someone who looks like they're showing off, but then it's having you ask those hard questions to yourself. Like why, like you're saying, why am I having that reaction with someone? Um, What is it about them doing that, that I feel like is an attack on me? Like, it's not an attack on you by any Mm -hmm. means. Right. But of course not. No, but (laughs) But it it feels that way. I call that the mental yoga. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of mental yoga, right. You have to like work with your brain and, and be more flexible with your own experience on the mat and other people's experience on the mat. Well, and that's, you know, it's great that you say that because yoga is often, especially in the Western world, only associated with the physical postures. Like we don't even realize that there are eight limbs of yoga that are taught when you take a a teacher training. And it's like asana, which is the yoga practice, is one, Mm. one component. And we think it's the entire thing. You think if you are practicing downward dog, sun salutations, all this stuff, like you're doing yoga, like, yes, that is an an element of it. But there are so many other aspects of the practice. And that's what is really so beautiful about it. And it, it is, I, you know, I feel like I started yoga for my body, my body, I started yoga (laughs) for my body, and I continued it for my mind, you know, I love that. I love that. Yeah, we could definitely do a whole episode on yoga. And I think that we'll definitely have to do that (laughs) down the line. Um, But um, so talking about mindfulness and um, things that we're kind of dedicating our mind to. So this past year you made the decision to, I don't know, I don't want to call. So this is, this is why like we want because I don't want to call it like sobriety and have that not be the right term, but you made the conscious decision to remove alcohol from your life. Yeah. So that's totally correct. And I would say the same thing because I wasn't completely sober um, for the first half, a little more than half of it um, because I was still, partaking in cannabis, which I have actually stopped. Um, This has been about four or five months now that I haven't. So I have technically been totally sober, but I don't identify necessarily with um, that term. I think like this um, 
is for personally for me, just removing alcohol. I like live, I choose to live um, just without ingesting alcohol anymore. And it's been kind of like a long time coming for me. I've tried um, on multiple occasions. I had the um, like curiosity to stop. So I would stop for a month. You know, I stopped for like three months one time. It was like, I remember I was working at a bakery and one of my customers came up to me and, and it was like around this time of year and they were like, oh, are you giving something up for Lent? And I was like, oh, that's really presumptuous of you to think that like I even celebrate, um, you know, any kind of religious holiday, like whatever. And but then I was like, but it could be interesting to give something up. So I decided I'm not going to drink. And that's only like, what, 40 days? 40 days, like yeah. And I ended up going on after that. I felt so great. And I went, I think, for almost three months. And then I honestly only got back into it, into it, <laughs> you know, decided to break that little uh, stint because I was out at a, like a, a function with some friends and I actually declined a drink at first when I was offered one. And then it was kind of like, a, oh, but are you sure? Like, what if I get it for you? And then I'm like, I'm a sucker for a free drink. So I was like, <laughs> okay, like, sure, why not? What's, what's the harm in that, right? And at this point, it, it wasn't really something I was really consciously thinking of. It was more of like an experiment. Like, how am I going to feel if I give it up? And so I've been kind of like, I've had certain points in my life within the past, like, I want to say like four or five years now where I've done stuff like that. And then um, more recently, after my first yoga teacher training, it was an immersion, which um, was three weeks in Costa Rica. It was totally substance free. So I went through that and I felt great. And it was kind of like, you know, you're doing a lot of mind work, doing a ton of physical work. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about maybe this is something that I want to give up more you know, just like more of, it just feels more in line with me. And, but then I came back to the real world and, you know, assimilated back into like the fast paced world of social gatherings and going out. And for me, it's like going out for a drink was just so common. Like mm -hmm. every weekend I would go out with my friends drinking. And for me, it wasn't like a drink. It was like, let's drink a whole bottle and then some, and then like, cocktails and then you know it's just like shots whatever I I kind of like feel like I'm a reformed party girl because I would never like turn down a shot or a drink like that doesn't seem like something I would do like no I was like sure hell yeah like sorry can we swear on this podcast yes like, yeah it is labeled as explicit on apple podcast <laughs> so okay. let those fuck flags fly <laughs> <laughs> okay fabulous um yeah so I just like I I'm definitely I, I love to have fun. I love fun. And I love being social. And honestly, drinking was always just something that the social component. Yeah. Like, uh. and I, you know, it just, and it started so long ago. Like it started for me in high school. You know, most people I feel like can relate to that, like having their first drink in high school. And then I, not to like give you my whole life story, but get into it, girl. That's what we're here I, for. <laughs> I, um, graduated high school when I was 17. And I so I moved out went to college and I was 17 years old, which, you know, most people are 18. And it's not like a huge difference. But like, when you're that young, it sounds like, oh, my God, I started really drinking at 17. So 
And it was like, you know, every we had tequila Thursdays with my best friend and roommate at the time. And like that was just normal tequila Thursdays. And we'd, we would drink like at least four days out of the week. And I did go to a party school. So that is not everyone's experience, but it was mine. And um, I mean, I had a lot of really fun times and like it didn't even seem like something I would want to change back then. But, you know, fast forward 15, 16 years later, um, can't do that quick math in my head. But, you know, now I'm kind of like, wow, my body, it feels so bad after drinking. And I kind of got to this point where. I mean, I would had a lot of questionable nights. I, I would get death hangovers. Like I would be just out of commission for days. And I thought like, well, that's whatever. That's what we do, right? Like you just know you're going to feel terrible. You're going to be like getting it sick and all this stuff. It's and like it's the trade-off for having the fun time. Right, yeah, like that's the price you pay. And it's like, but that's your initiation almost. Like that you're, that's makes you cool. And that's makes you part of society. And I'm not saying it makes you cool, like, or people tell you that, but it's what you're expected to go through. Right. Yes. So, um, I basically got to the point where my body was physically rejecting alcohol. And I remember the last time I drank, like I didn't even have multiple drinks. I think it was one glass of champagne and I was noticing this pattern I was having, uh, after a night of drinking and I, in, um, in Ireland, they call it the fear. And you wake up in the middle of the night or in early, early in the morning with like severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so that's what was happening to me. Oh. And it got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening even after one drink. So my body was screaming at me, like, stop, stop. it. So, like yeah. it wasn't even something that I wanted to continue. Well, there's a physicality and- to it too. I mean, I th- and I think that's what a lot of people kind of don't understand about it is like and why so many of us do get I mean I personally have that same reaction if I if I drink too much especially something with like a lot of sugar like you know white wine or something I will wake up in the middle of the night 3 4 a.m and I am wide awake and I am very anxious Mm -hmm. and um I was actually listening to this other podcast called Healthier Together. I think I sent you that episode. And she talks about how if you are someone that is like already, and I don't know who isn't, but if you're dealing with anxiety or you're, you know, it's like your the levels are off, like in your brain, you know, you've got your cortisol, you have your serotonin, and you have your GABA. And if your GABA is really low and you have a drink, a couple of drinks, you're, it shoots right up and you are feeling awesome. You yeah. are riding that GABA wave like <laughs> you know, (laughs) all the way to sunset. And then as soon, and then, you know, you fall asleep and you're not in proper sleep because you're not like, it's, you know, you're, it's alcohol. So you're not like in your typical REM cycle. As soon as that GABA plummets back down to where it was before you started drinking, your anxiety is right back where it was. And your brain, it's, it's literally put into shock I was going to say, it's probably not where where it was. It's probably even lower. Yeah. It's probably even lower than it was. And so I think that like, that is something that should maybe like people should be able, if you're having that reaction to it, then there's other issues that probably should be addressed. Like with your anxiety, like with your mental health, maybe you should maybe like not have as many drinks as you did to get you to that point because your brain is really having a hard time you know, working out all of the different, I don't want to say like chemicals, but like, you know, that's, it's experiencing at that time. Yes, absolutely. And like, 
Oh, I just lost, I just lost it. It's gone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Lisa, while you think about it, can I ask you a question? Oh, sure. Oh, I did remember. Let me write it down, but give me the question. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel you. I feel you. Um, I'm, you said that you had been curious about removing alcohol from your life for some time before you did it. Did that curiosity predate some of these body um, reactions to the alcohol or do you think it came definitely predated. Um, I think, well, my, I do experience anxiety. Um, you know, this year, obviously it was exponential with good reason. Um, so this year in particular felt like it was even like before COVID that I started this journey, but just by sheer dumb luck, I was like, Oh yeah, let's stop drinking during a global pandemic. That sounds like the right thing to do. (laughs) But, um, but it was for me. Um, but yeah, it, it was just one of those things where my habits with drinking felt like I always, I not always questioned them, but once I got out of my like college phase, early twenties phase, I kind of was like, why am I doing this? Like it just kind of, I started thinking about it. And this was probably right when I started, you know, practicing yoga in the beginning, just like kind of getting more into my body and stuff like that. It wasn't a direct correlation by any means. And, you know, I still was drinking and practicing yoga simultaneously. I even did go to a a class drunk once, (laughs) like, you know, like that's just like, it just happened to be, I was drinking with my friends and I told my friend I would go to yoga and I was like, yeah, I gotta make it. Like I gotta go. I can't bail on my friend. And like, I'm not gonna lie. ended up being one of my favorite instructors ever. So I'm not, you know, I'm glad it worked out, but just like for me, I think, I consider myself a pretty sober drunk. So it was easy for me to drink a lot. And it didn't even really occur to, I mean, it probably occurred to me, but it probably didn't occur to a lot of other people that it'd be something that I'd want to stop doing because it's not like, I mean, I'm sure there are people who will correct me, but it's not like I would get out, um, I would go out and get super sloppy and be well every once in a while (laughs) and be falling all over myself or getting into like, you know, trouble or anything like that. It was like, people probably didn't even realize how drunk I was because I felt like I could quote unquote handle it. Right. Um, and well, I think in fairness, probably because you make a good point socially, it's just such a big part of being in your twenties and even your early thirties. And, and it's kind of the default like social interaction that you're going to have. So potentially the people around you were in very similar situations where they were pretty oblivious to whatever level of drunk you were. And everyone else was probably just as drunk, if not drunker, you know, and. But you still wake up the next morning feeling like, what did I say? What did I do? Even if you, even if you know, you weren't like you're saying falling over yourself or like a really sloppy or a bad situation, you can still very much wake up feeling like, oh, I need to call this person and apologize or like say like, I really wasn't that drunk. You know, you just get that feeling like the next day. You're in trouble. Yeah. You're in trouble. Mornings. Yeah. Yeah. The brownout, you know, like Mm -hmm. not even a blackout, like the brownout, like kind of not really quite understanding the full grasp of the night you know and it's it's so true and like it is so tied up with being social that like that's why it's kind of been a weird thing to navigate because I always you know it makes me wonder like well how am I gonna be social without drinking you know like how am I gonna 
And I think it's also a responsibility for us, like you were saying, when you were at um, an event and someone asked you if you wanted a drink and you said no, and they kind of said, well, what if I get it for you? Or what if, you know, whatever, like if someone, if you're out socially, not that we really can be, but if you are out and someone says like, no, I'm not drinking, I think that's like, we have to leave it there, right? Yes. You can't. We don't need, I, I really stress that too, because I feel like it's like you can't have fun drinking yourself if somebody's with you isn't drinking nope like it's your choice to drink it's someone else's choice not to drink it's not a reflection on you if somebody doesn't drink well that's i think what i find too is it really is more a reflection on the person asking you if you want to drink and what happens is like you say no i don't want to drink and then they start to think whoa like I've never turned down a drink or like, why do I feel like right. I need a drink or like, mm-hmm. am, am I drinking too much? But it's hard to face that. Like, that's not an easy thing to do. So a lot of people say, well, why don't you, no, why don't you have, have one? one? Like, come on. Like, and people kind of egg you on. Right. And I don't know. It's alcohol is kind of in a, on a league in a league of its own because there's a comedian that kind of talks about this and how, if you say you don't drink, you know, it's the only thing where people think you automatically have a problem. Whereas, like, yes, he, and that's why I didn't want to say sober in the beginning because I feel like the word sober and sobriety to most people means a problem. Mm-hmm. To most people, there was something in your life, an experience that happened, you know, or a pattern of behavior that said, like, oh, I'm sober now because I am an alcoholic or I right. am like addict. I'm a it's, uh, addiction. Like it means addiction. Like, and right. I think that that's a stigma that we need to kind of start understanding is, is that you can just choose to be sober. Right. You can just choose to be sober. There's no reason yeah. behind it. It just, and if you don't want to drink, a lifestyle. it's a different type of lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that is, it's a lifestyle choice that, and I feel like that is kind of the, like, yeah, more the narrative we should be putting around it as opposed to like, oh, well, this person has a problem with yeah. alcohol. And if you do have a quote unquote problem with alcohol, although problem isn't the right word at all. If you do struggle with addiction and are working to better yourself and your life and make the decision to become sober because of that addiction, then I think that's amazing. More power to you. You are incredible. It is such a difficult fight and there shouldn't be this nasty connotation with being sober either because of an addiction or just because of the lifestyle choice. Exactly. And I like feel like I never, I never really got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm going to need um, counseling in this and well, I did start being a therapist but it was not related <laughs> but I do also highly recommend but yes, um, yes. but like I'll second that <laughs> yes of course um, you know I wasn't in uh, it for me it didn't feel I didn't feel aligned to be in like a 12-step program or to be you know in that on that path just personally not to say that it doesn't help people I know it definitely has its place sure but there um I ended up reading a book this past year called quit like a woman and it's by Holly Whitaker and it's basically the subtitles like you know um the choice, the radical choice to stop drinking in a culture that's like obsessed with alcohol. And it was very eye opening. I highly, highly recommend reading this book to anyone who has ever had a relationship with alcohol, period, the end, like you don't need to identify with being sober or being even someone who doesn't want to drink if you're not, you know, feeling that. 
I just think it was such an incredible book. So I just highly recommend, I probably already told you about it, Lizzie, over the summer. But yeah, like, I do. I do remember you reading it that day yeah. we were at the beach and um, which is like partly why I like wanted to talk to you about it too, because I know that it was super helpful um, in a lot of ways. And I've actually, I've heard it mentioned a few times, like on other like health podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It was a great book. Yep. And it talks a lot about how it's not like recovery, you know, the word recovery too is also something like, I'm like, am I allowed to say that? Because Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure, like if I identify with that, but for me, the decision to drink is definitely like a personal, I feel better without it. I feel healthier without it. I feel clearer. It's just like working for me. So I'm Mm going to keep, keep it up. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, And I, I feel like the the alcohol industry has a tendency to just pigeonhole you into someone who can drink alcohol and someone who cannot. And like, that's realistically not the story for a lot of people. A lot of people, I feel like hopefully not, not hopefully, but I can imagine people can relate to my situation where it's Mm -hmm. like, it wasn't a problem. I wasn't waking up in like strange situations and like, you know, falling asleep in ditches or drinking behind the wheel or, you know, it was nothing like that. It was like, I feel like crap like and garbage. I don't want to feel like crap anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, like, it just didn't feel like, you know, going to AA or something is like, was my path, but how do you kind of navigate something where it's like, I'm not drinking anymore. And everyone is going to just assume I have a problem with alcohol or, or because you're a woman, you're pregnant. Oh yes. That's the other part. Definitely. Like, absolutely. I've definitely, I've had like sober, like every now and then, um, I'm, I mean, I definitely, I don't drink a ton because, uh, my tolerance is super low. I, and I, um, I grew up around addiction and so I'm very mindful of it. And I definitely feel like me going from like having a drink or two to having eight is it's a very fine line that I need to be very careful. Mm-hmm. So, but even still, um, so yeah, every now and then I'll just do a booze break, give my liver a break for like a month or two, just like let it chill. Um, and I can't even tell you how many times, like, yeah, you turn down a drink. And if you're around someone that is used to seeing you have a beverage, you kind of see that look on their face, like, you pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As A, as if it's any of their business and B, like it doesn't have to be this connection. Like there doesn't have to be the connection with alcohol that if you're not drinking it, like you're saying you have a problem, if you're not drinking it, you're pregnant or, you know, like we can just accept that it's okay to not have a drink in a social situation. Yes. That there are good times to be had without a drink. And I do think that that's like, a shift sometimes when you get older, it's like, do I know how to hang out with this person mm. without having a drink? Yes. And something that like, it's this, I've been navigating this whole year has been like radical for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, starts, you start to think, am I fun without alcohol or did mm-hmm. alcohol make me fun or did alcohol trick me into thinking I was fun or like, what is it? You know, like, what's my story? And, you know, I'm just thankful for like the friends who've been very supportive of this decision of mine, because I would even ask them, I'm like, I don't, I don't really know 
like if, what's my personality now and she you know I have a friend who she's like you're exactly the same <laughs> like, you, know, you are still fun you are still this and that like it, and that's it, important it, I think too to that extent is surrounding yourself with people who are not going to make you feel like you need to apologize for this decision that you've made that you need to like have a drink to have fun and if it's someone that like doesn't want to hang out with you because they feel like they can't drink and you're you're obviously not judging someone like if you were going to dinner with someone and they ordered a glass of wine like I know you're not going to put judgment on them because they want to do that so if someone is putting that judgment on you like well I don't want to hang out with her because like it's going to make me feel bad for having a drink then don't hang out with them I think you know sometimes you have to change your friends yeah when we remove cut that circle out of your pizza you know, Absolutely. as Megan the Stallion would say, just- <laughs> <laughs> when we remove toxic things from our life, whether yeah. it's drinking, whether it's uh, some sort of activity that's not healthy, or whether it's just like toxicity you to- feel towards yourself, right? Toxic thinking, uh, you know, just going over these like awful thoughts and thinking about yourself. And when you change and begin to love yourself more, you sometimes really do have to change your friends. Oh, absolutely. And that's really hard because mm-hmm. you're like, it's hard to make friends in your late twenties and thirties again, but it's harder to keep friends that don't really support you mm-hmm. and can't really be there for you. Yeah. And I think the older you get, the clearer it becomes the people who are meant to be in your circle. Um, and it's easier for me. I mean, it's never easy to lose friends, but it's easier to me for me to recognize, oh, this person gives me a tight feeling when I see them and I can't have more of that than I already have in my life. And it's like, at what point are you willing to like sacrifice your own, you know, well-being, you know, for someone else? Of course not. Like that's, and it's hard to do. Um, I'm it's sure it's hard to easy. do. Like you were saying in the beginning, you know, like it sounds like it took you a while to get like you, you played with it for a while and then you'd be in a social situation where you felt like you would have to like have a drink again. So it, it sounds like that in itself was a journey of finding the balance between, yeah, being social and the people you're around with, like, you know, maintaining this lifestyle that you've created for yourself. Right. And then, you know, I, I still have these thoughts like, well, um, I mean, I'm single. So I think like, oh, well, well, I have a glass of champagne on my wedding day. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm not going to rule that out as like, mm-hmm. no, I'm never going to have a sip of alcohol ever again in my sure, life. Of then I'm a failure. You know what I mean? Because it's like, that's not even it. It's like, for me, I'm just not going to associate with being like a drinker anymore. Like that just doesn't feel like authentic to me anymore. Whereas like it used to, like it definitely used to feel like this is what I do. I love Well, there's such a culture around it too. I mean, how many Instagrams do you see out there? There's like, I'm going to, I'm going to Instagram name drop because I don't think any of them will ever hear this podcast, but (laughs) if they do whatever, but there's one called like boozy betch. There's like all of these, like, you know, Instagram out there where it's like some meme about like some experience with alcohol and sometimes they're funny. And then sometimes I'm like, that is really toxic. That person might see need some help. Even what you just said, Lisa, (laughs) about having a drink at your wedding, a drink of champagne, look how much alcohol has become a part of our culture where that's how you celebrate that you got married was having this toast. That's, you know, I had never really actually thought of that. Like it's, it's permeated so much of like, just even our regular and then our special occasions that it's just part of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. It's so true. And like, for me, it's like an undoing of just habitual things for me. 
um, even this sounds a little silly, but doing this podcast, like I, for the past few years have had a podcast with a friend of mine that we've never released, but we've done a ton of recording <laughs> and, <laughs> and we, I mean, we started our podcast, literally popping a bottle of champagne. It was like our, that was our intro, like every yeah. single time. And so for me, just the thought of doing the podcast without having that social lubrication is, I was a little nervous. I was like, oh my God, yeah. like, I don't know, like how, what, I'm going to run out of things to say. And like, I'm not mm-hmm. going to be interesting. And like, I'm not going to be funny or I'm going to think I'm funny and I'm not going to be funny. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> I'm just like relearning how mm-hmm. to just do normal things without having a glass of whatever, or just like having that be an option. It's just well, wild, it's, wildly different. It, you know, it's a little bit of self-medicating. Oh yeah. Right. Definitely. Taking care of your anxiety or whatever things you have by masking it with some sort of substance. And it can be really, really frightening. And so I just think, and I'm sure Lizzie feels the same way. Like, we're so excited that you would like come and be brave and, and share things, you know, having a little bit of um, anxiety about what it would look like when you have this past experience doing a podcast in a very different way. Right. <laughs> yep. So and there are plenty of podcasts out there. Like I've definitely been following a lot of them and there's like this whole like subculture of like, like brunch gals, like drinking like mimosas and champagne and doing a podcast. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. If like, if that's how they want to like run their podcast and that's an odd, there's an audience for that, like not knocking it. I think that that's a lot of fun for them, you know, but I also think that that has become so normal. I think that we should also be finding some, I mean, quote unquote normal, like we should also be finding, you know, again, like the word sobriety is also totally normal. Right. I mean, and there should be a word that's not, God, the alcohol industry is just fascinating because there's so much, there's so much to it, but like, there isn't really a word where it's like non, a a non-drinker, like Mm -hmm. a sobriety equivalent to someone who's just abstaining from alcohol. It's like how Gwyneth Paltrow did like her conscious uncoupling because she didn't want to say (laughs) the word divorce. We all know that's what happened. Like, (laughs) We need like the goop version of the word sober. (laughs) But I think like even like the podcast where the women are drinking mimosas, if they have a friend come or or the co-host or whatever who doesn't drink, then the right thing is that they're not pressuring me like, oh, this, this girl, she can't lay, you know, you know, have fun or whatever. Like that it's just normal. Right. That whoever's there drinks or doesn't drink and it's not really called out. Right. And right. You know, I'm trying to think of the timeline. I think we may have recorded earlier this year and I was already um, not drinking. This year feels like a decade. So it's kind of hard for me to, <laughs> to place. But I think, you know, and that's I'm just fortunate to have good friends who are like, you know, what? like uh, we'll still pop the champagne, but like you don't have to drink it. And that's fine. Yeah, like, yeah. And, you know, I don't still have- pop your kombucha. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> I, I love a kombucha. Kombucha is my go-to now for social situations. Yeah. Like a nice little like. It's something to hold on to. You have it in your hand. You're sipping it along with everyone. So, and cause that um, for me, I mean, it's not, I know it's not quite the same, but when I used to, when I was quitting smoking that the social part of it was such a hard thing because it would be like, that was this like part of what you did when you would see people like, like with having a drink in your hand, you're sipping it along. Like it used to be like, you'd be around a group of people and you'd all be smoking a cigarette. And that's how you would chat with like that group of people at the party. And then you kind of like, oh, well, am I still going to 
talk to these people and like see them in that capacity. So it really is just like figuring out how to like still interact and, you know, understand that, yeah, you're still going to interact with these people. You're still going to have a good time without the cigarette, without the drink, without, you know, we, you know, weed, whatever. Right. Right. And I do find like most of the people I've come in contact with, which obviously hasn't been too many this year, but most times I'll decline a drink or I'll bring my kombucha with me to the parking lot party or whatever it is. And, you know, even sometimes people will be like, Oh, are you sure? Like, I'll say like, no, I'm good. Like, Oh, do you want something besides the kombucha though? Like, are you, but, and it's never like right now I'm at a point where it's like, never like, Oh, I'm judging you for not drinking. And it's also part of that is growing up. You know, part mm-hmm. of that is like, oh, we're not like just ripping shots. Like, well, maybe you are. But like, you know, like for me, that's kind of yeah. been, that was. Maybe that was you are. Maybe you are. And that's also right. like, if, as long as you're still like, as long as you're not hurting yourself or you're hurting anyone else, you're in a safe environment and you want to take that shot of tequila, take that shot of tequila. It's totally oh, fine. Absolutely. Of course. You know? Right. Oh. But no. And so, yeah, I love that this is exactly what I wanted to talk about because I feel like there are so many people that have said yes to said yes to a drink they didn't want because like somebody just kept asking them or they were worried that they were going to think they were pregnant and they would have to explain that no I'm just not drinking or so it's nice to I think just kind of put this this out there so that people can understand like you know what maybe it's okay just to like just to politely decline Right. Absolutely. You shouldn't have to justify it like, mm-hmm. and be like, well, this is the reason. Like, People feel entitled to know the reason why you're yes. not drinking. Well, yeah. But- I was just thinking like when Lizzie said like, oh, if someone thinks you're pregnant, what if you've been trying to get pregnant and you're and then somebody asks you that, like how harmful and how mm-hmm. much of a trigger that could be. Absolutely. It's really none of each other's business. Right. Like if there's like pizza out and I decide to eat a last piece of pizza, well, not the last piece because that maybe I should share more. <laughs> but like, if I decide to eat another piece of pizza, yes, that's me and that pizza's business. <laughs> like, right. <nobody> else. <laughs> or if I decide not to, because I I also also concurrently see this a lot when you're trying to eat healthier, mm-hmm. where people feel like that's a judgment on them too. So if you eat a salad while they decide to have whatever, they will encourage you well why don't you order fries or why don't you have this or you know I'm going to get this dessert split it with me and that can become a loaded situation too I think I I I honestly think a lot of it is when we do make healthier choices for ourselves it can feel directly threatening to someone Mm -hmm. who's very vulnerable about their own possible unhealthy choices like me in the yoga class I mean right and I think that that's something that I yeah was trying to accomplish with this podcast is maybe like recognizing how you're feeling, recognizing how other people's like actions and reactions make you feel. And then kind of like looking back and saying like, okay, like how could I handle this better next time? Like if someone is at like, yeah, if you're at a, I can't, I've been to so many like Super Bowl parties where I bring like the Buffalo cauliflower dip instead of like the buffalo chicken dip and someone always says something about it and it's delicious in case anyone's curious it's really (laughs) freaking good (laughs) but you know I just think that we need to be confident in the decisions that we're making and if we're feeling confident like other the people around us need to respect that it's it's tough to like 
a lot of people are insecure. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's easier once you're more secure with your decisions and you're not affected as much by other people's opinions of you or mm-hmm. judgments or whatever. Like for me, now that I'm secure in this decision, like, you know, maybe years ago when I was swayed to take that drink because it was free, like now I'm, I'm not going to give in just because someone's offering me a free drink. Like, I mean, if that was the case, uh, this would be a lost cause. But maybe also too, it's kind of like understanding and seeing, okay, well, if someone does say that thing that makes me uncomfortable, um, I talked, I mentioned this in the last episode that I did with Marissa, where it's like, oh, you know, I got this new haircut and I'm feeling really confident. And someone says something like, oh, I liked your hair better before, or I think you should wear it this way. Just kindly saying to them, like, you know what? That actually um, hurts my feelings. I don't, I feel really confident. I was feeling really good about it. So, you know, just next time, maybe don't say that to me. Well, and I setting think, boundaries. And that's think, a form of self-care. Is and I think boundaries. that it's so important. And I think that it's pro- like the, maybe the one good silver lining that has come out of the pandemic is I think people are more open with setting their boundaries with other people because mm-hmm. we've had to say like in work situations, like I am not comfortable with this, this, and this, or in social situations, like, you know what? I'm not ready to sit into a restaurant yet. I'm sorry. I, I'm not comfortable with it. And I think that we need to take that and move it into these situations where if you're at a party and someone knocks on your healthy snack, you say, oh, it's really good. I like, you know, like it makes me feel really good. Like I'm sure, you know, yes, the nachos look amazing, but you know, I'm just trying to be like my, you know, better for my stomach, whatever, like, or like more like health reasons, not like your stomach. (laughs) Um, Or if someone says like, oh, really? You're not drinking? Isn't that boring? And you're like, no, actually, I feel awesome. I haven't had a drink in a year. I have more energy. I do this. Like maybe just give them little insights into saying like, you know what? That doesn't make me feel great. And just kind of directing the conversation towards like something more positive that you're getting out of it. Right. And, and you can well, stop there too. You right. don't have to explain. Like, that I'm not true. Sure yeah. You definitely don't have to explain either. You can just say like, you know what? I don't love that. So like, let's talk about something else. Right. Like exactly. I was just going to say like, kind of following up with like, you know what? It's just not for me. Like, that's it. It's that's just it. not for me. Yep. Yeah. No explanation needed. at, at Right. That because point, then right? like it's nipping it in the bud. The can like the conversation stops there. And then you can just like pull something random out of your hat. Like, oh, did you watch that new movie on Netflix? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because there's always a new movie. On there's Netflix. always a new movie on Netflix. You're always there like, like, yeah, you know, I just feel better without it. Oh, I started reading this new book. Have you heard about it? Like, just like, I think people need to, yeah, just set more boundaries with the things that they are not comfortable discussing when you're making these lifestyle choices. Right. And also like something to be said, at least personally, like I am comfortable discussing alcohol with people. Sure. Like I'm, I, I do miss some, like the way some things taste, like stuff like that. Like, Oh, that, Oh, I did used to really love drinking that. Like, yeah. or like, Oh, I loved an espresso martini. That was my favorite. And yeah. like, where that beer is awesome. Like, you know, I, for me, it's not like a, I don't, I don't agree with like your choices <laughs> to drink. Like, I don't care. I don't give right. a crap. Like if you're drinking, it's like, I, I honestly feel like, okay. And this might not resonate for a lot of people, but it might for, we're in Massachusetts. So who knows? Um, I always found that like, with weed smokers, with cannabis smokers, like when you said no, it was always like, okay, man, more for me, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we could adopt more of that mentality with drinking, yes. that would be a win. Like, oh, okay, no, great. Okay, whatever. Moving on. Like, doesn't have to be. Not a big deal. Yeah, a thing. Definitely. And we're all making our own choices and decisions for our mm-hmm. body and our spirit. 
and our mind. And then we just have to honor that for one another. And I think, you know, when we set boundaries for each other, I have to say, when I see people set really good boundaries for themselves, that's inspiring for me because I feel like, you know what? I really respect how they did that. I can do that. I think that's, that's going to be the title possible. of this episode is, is the setting boundaries is self-care because I've honestly, I've never heard that before. And it's like, it's so simple and to the point and makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, we think about self-care like bubble baths and, like, <laughs> and, and things like that. But self-care is so many different things. Mm-hmm. And one of them is saying, I'm not going to tolerate people to infringe on my sense of self mm. just so I can make them feel better. That it's not that I actively want to make someone feel bad, but I'm not going to let them infringe on my humanness. Mm-hmm. Def- and I, 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 I like to think of it as like, instead of caring more about what other people's comfort level is or whatever, you kind of, it's not exactly 50-50, it's like 51-49. I'm 51% for me and 49%, you know, on, on like your side. Like, it's mm-hmm. not that I don't care about your well-being or I don't care about whatever, but like, I just have to look after myself just a smidgen more because like, I'm with me for life, you know? Yeah, you're the majority stakeholder for yourself. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) But I think it's really hard. And I think it's really hard for women to do that. And I, and I think that it isn't until recently, even in my own life that I've started doing it for myself, I've started advocating for myself more with things because I was always so worried about hurting someone's feelings. I was more than willing to let them say whatever they would want to me that would make me feel bad. But I wouldn't want to tell them that that thing made me feel bad because what if it makes them feel bad because they hurt my feelings? Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a runaround. But I think like the more you do practice setting the boundaries and saying like, this hurts my feelings and it's not like blatantly disregarding someone else's feelings, but recognizing that telling them it hurts your feelings isn't <laughs> meant to be offensive. Right. This is how we start to have more genuine relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We can feel like good about being ourselves and can feel like we're able to stand up for ourselves. It's not even standing up for yourself. It's just recognizing something. Kind of and going back to like the whole like our conversation with the genes, I am. Um... I texted a friend of mine and, and her and I have like a very open, honest relationship. We are very candid with each other. And like, usually it's what I need. Um, but, you know, I was like, just not in a great place yesterday. And I was like texting her like, oh, I hate these jeans. I've never felt worse. And she's like, well, send me a picture. And so I sent her a picture. And I think what she was trying to do, what she was trying to do was help and say like, well, maybe like, you should have worn this color shirt and this color shoes with them. But I was not in a great place. So I took it very harshly. And she was like, is everything okay? I feel like we're weird. And I said, you know what, yesterday, that wasn't what I needed. I was, I was telling you that I was feeling really insecure. And, you know, saying, well, you didn't wear it right, like wasn't helpful. And she was like, I'm sorry. She was like, all I was saying is that I really love clothes. I really love fashion. I would be more than happy to help like style you if you're feeling like you're not comfortable in like what you've been buying lately. Like, and so, but if I hadn't said that, like I would have just sat there and stewed with this. Like, I can't believe she said that to me. It was so hurtful. And that is something I probably would have done, you know, even like just a year or two ago. And now she knows next time how to approach you in a way that feels more 
you know, loving and accepting of what mm-hmm. you need in that moment. Right. There's this really great children's book. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I honestly, like, I got a little emotional the first time I read it because oh. it's so simple, but it's called The Rabbit Listen. And there's this little boy and he's just darling and he's building a little block thing and he knocks it down because that happens. And all the different animals come in, like the bear's like, let's get mad about it and stomp around. And the kangaroo's like, let's uh, hide over here and pretend it didn't happen. And they all have these different ways of trying to help him, him deal with it. And he doesn't feel like any of them work. And then the rabbit comes and just sits and listens and he Aww. goes through all of these like emotions and all of these things. And the rabbit is just there being supportive. And then the little boy rebuilds his tower. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like sometimes. Oh my think, God. Yeah. I'm like crying. That is the cutest. I know thing it is. It was so, it was so sweet because sometimes those other emotions work, but sometimes we just need to be listened to mm. and um, letting our friends know. Sometimes when I talk to friends, because it's really easy for me to get in therapist mode mm. and I'll have to like pa- pause and I'm like, do you need me to help you problem solve this or do you need me to just listen? You guys should Google um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this little video clip called It's Not About the Nail. And it's literally exactly what you're describing right now. And it's a couple and the woman has a nail in her forehead <laughs> and like a physical nail. And the boyfriend or whoever is trying to like say like, well, if you take the nail out, like you won't have a headache anymore. Or like, she's like, I just have this problem and my head hurts and all this stuff. And she's going on and on. And she's just saying, it's not about the nail. And the whole point of it is that she she just needs to complain and like to have someone to listen to the fact that Mm -hmm. she's so uncomfortable because there's a nail in her head. She doesn't need someone to tell her to take the nail out necessarily even though like yeah a lot of people want to just be like you're being really stupid right now because there's a nail in your head and I want to take it out and solve your problem right but she's got to figure out how to take the nail out on her own you know what I mean so yeah just like yeah funnier. do you want understanding or do you want solutions <laughs> right I mean I'm not I don't explain it as well as they do but it's so it's like right on the money no we well, explained it well enough that I definitely am going to go look it up yeah <laughs> Well, this has been great. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down because I I think that um, it can be a sensitive thing, obviously, for people to talk about just, you know, as we were talking about, because there's so many like, I don't know, preconceived notions about someone making the decision to just remove alcohol from their lifestyle. And so it was nice to have someone to talk to about it. And just so we can learn about it a little more, understand it a little bit more. Um, and hopefully, you know, it, it helps someone else out there that's going through it and experiencing it. And, um, yeah, I, it was just, it was great well, learning I, a little bit more about it. I'm glad. Um, I appreciate, thank you for inviting me to be here. Like, I'm just, I'm happy to talk about it and it's helpful for me because like, I, as comfortable as I am with it, there are still some parts that make me a little nervous and especially mm-hmm. like as the world quote unquote opens back up whatever that means. Um, I, I feel like I'll continue to go through these hurdles of like, kind of re-navigating how Mm. I'm living. And like, especially the thing that comes to mind, that's like the only thing I haven't really tackled yet is like how to date without drinking. And like, that's going to be like my friends, I got my back. I know that much like, and I'm totally lucky for that. But like, kind of thinking like, well, how do I go on a first date without it being like at a bar or like, Hmm. how do you like, what else do you do? And like, yeah, you can go get coffee or whatever. And I'm sure I'll go on coffee dates 
like in the future. But, you know, it's just one of those things where like, I've never really dated without alcohol. And like, that's going to be a totally new thing for me. And I'm excited at one hand, but it's also scary because I, I just like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not like against dating someone who like is going to appreciate wine with dinner or something like that, but like, it's going to be totally different for me to navigate. And I'm like very uneasy about it. And it's helpful for me to like, kind of talk about this in a more, you know, friendly, candid way, just because it's like, I don't know, I'm going to have to deal with it sooner or later. So I appreciate being here and kind of letting letting me spill the beans. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I think it will keep changing. I think that the experience, yeah, will just continue to change and grow. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys have read or heard about Jessica Simpson's autobiography. I've um, heard it's really good. Actually. It's really, really good. But she actually brings up that point because she was already married with a couple of kids when she decided, I mean, she did get sober because she was struggling with alcoholism. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit different, but um, she does bring up the fact that the first time her and her husband went, so he decided to um, to support her and stop drinking as well. So I think oh, wow. that's, and I think that's something important to, to kind of put out there too, is like, you can be, I think in a relationship and, you know, if the person you're with wants to go on that journey with you, I think that's great. If they do still want to order like wine with their dinner, I think that's okay too. But um in this situation, so he made the conscious decision to just remove alcohol from his lifestyle, even though it wasn't a problem for him, it was a problem for her. So to be supportive, he did that with her. And yeah, she brings up the first time they went to dinner and didn't order a bottle of wine. They were like so nervous about it. And then they have a great time. They have this, they have a beautiful dinner. They have a nice time with each other's company. And they are like, it's just it would just, it just didn't happen. We just didn't order the wine and we still enjoyed ourselves. And I think that, yeah, it's just, it will become the new normal in your lifestyle and you will find someone that complements that. And yeah. I mean, there's something to be said for your uh, bill being a lot cheaper when you're not drinking <laughs> alcohol yes. out and also like being able to remember the conversations that you're having and yes. like, not to say you're drinking to forget every single time, but like you, it just, it alters your brain. You know what I mean? You're right. drinking ethanol. So it's like, yeah. it's going to have an effect on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think also it's a good sign if you, you know, are not having to drink and a guy doesn't feel the need to point that out. Yeah. I feel like that's a good sign. Also, a good date is mini golf because you have to, so listen, I feel like a lot of times I would have a drink too, just because I'm so awkward and I don't know what to do with my hands. You don't know what to do with your so hands. Like, <laughs> like I found like when I was pregnant, I was like, finally, I was glad like when my belly got bigger, because at least I could put my hands there. So I was like, what do I do? Like, I don't know. Um, mini golf, you have something in your hands. It's a predetermined end time. Yep. And you just keep moving. I was going to say this that too. Yeah, I think, yeah, do an activity with this person in the beginning. If it's, you know, if you're worried about like there being like an issue around alcohol, like find something that, you know, doesn't necessarily need to have alcohol. But mini golfing, roller rinks are still open. I found that out. <laughs> oh, I love roller skating. <laughs> I, like, I really want to go roller skating, you guys. I know. Oh, I love a good <laughs> roller skate date. But no, seriously, Lisa, like, a keeper if he or not a keeper or at least a keeper to the second date if he doesn't <laughs> point it out so yeah. 
I love that expectation. <laughs> keep, them <to> <laughs> keep them to the second date, right? We don't have to be like planning everything out for the future yeah. on the first date. But like, it's a good sign that he yeah. has some, he also has some boundaries, like respect oh, boundaries too. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you have an issue with the fact that I'm not drinking, you're clearly not going to be the person I'm going to be dating. <laughs> Absolutely. You know I mean? And if, I, I think that if you make the decision that you no longer want to have alcohol in it. Or like you said, maybe down the line, you enjoy a drink here and there and that becomes your new normal. That's fine. You know, I think the biggest thing that we've kind of talked or touched upon and want to continue on is just like doing what's best for you. As long as you're like, you're staying healthy, you're like, you're not hurting yourself. You're not hurting other people's other people. If having alcohol in your life is fine in that capacity, that's great. If not having alcohol in your life is better for you, that's also great. I think it's just, you know, setting those boundaries for yourself as much as we set them with other people. Right. And also like healing isn't linear. People think Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm just on this path and here I am. Like, no, no, no. You're going to kind of like stumble and fall and then like figure it out again. And then like, you know, and for me, like getting to this point wasn't just like, okay, I'm done. It was like, oh, I'm going to have a drink. And then I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to. And then they kind of fall back into it. Or it's like, oh, and you know, it's like kind of a stumble and a go. And Mm. that's fine. That's kind of that's life, you know, and like a failure. If you feel like you want to stop drinking, like for as a lifestyle choice, and then you have a drink like that doesn't make you a failure. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I feel like the alcohol industry does have a tendency to kind of put it on the consumer all or nothing, right? Even the fact that they say drink responsibly, that puts it on you, the consumer. Mm -hmm. They don't say, hey, this is poison and it's going to make things really really complicated sometimes but you need to figure right. out how to deal with it like yeah you have not- to like have a drink and not get behind the wheel of a car and, and, well, that's exactly why they did it. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's just interesting because they're very smart, the alcohol industry, mm-hmm. and they know they know how to keep their art, their audience, you know? <laughs> they sure do. Not they sure. Oh, Lisa, <laughs> I am really sure the audience listening to this, whether it's our, like, friends. <laughs> we had, like, 30-something listens. So yeah, first episode, no, that's good. So. That's good. I think that everyone will appreciate how vulnerable you've been today. Yes. And, and it, you know being very clear that it isn't a linear journey. There's ups, there's downs, things will fluctuate. Um, but one thing that has never fluctuated <laughs> is what a darling person you are. I just think you're such a sweetheart. And I don't think that has anything to do with the drink or not. You've just yeah. always been a really bubbly, sweet presence. And Aww. I'm really happy for you um, that you're feeling healthy and, and on a journey that feels right. Thank you so much. That's so nice. I am, I'm <laughs> blushing and I'm getting awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awkward like 99% of the time. So it's okay. Maybe we should have called it like you're like pretty awkward. <laughs> yeah, I feel be- that way all the time. <laughs> I also feel like we totally failed to mention in the first episode that we are trivia winners for Mean Girl. <laughs> So we're like legit. <laughs> we, we have the right to name this podcast. I did. I think someone, there is another podcast called You're Like Really Pretty, but it only has one episode from 2019. So I don't think that one went anywhere. They're all right. So, They're all right. So. They'll make it. They'll make it. <laughs> Maybe. And then one day we could have like, co, like we could talk on each other's pretty podcasts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's lots of room. There's well, lots of room for all of us. And all other of us. Yes. I love that. Definitely. Lots of room for that. So. 
I think that's awesome. Like, it's great. If you want to have a drink, have a drink. If you don't want to have a drink, don't have a drink and just be open and understanding. And we can all just support each other in those decisions. And if you want to wear skinny jeans. And if you want to wear skinny jeans, wear skinny jeans. If you want to wear mom jeans, wear those mom jeans. Awesome. (laughs) All right. I think we fixed it. I I don't think we have to do this podcast ever again. Yeah, I I think think we need to tell tell TikTok. No more videos. No more TikTok videos. We fixed it. Unless it's like a funny pet video. Yes. Or cooking. Yes, this moratorium on mom jeans versus skinny jeans because we fixed it. We fixed it. We fixed it. We fixed it. (laughs) All right. I love you, ladies, so much. Love you, too. Love you, guys. This was so great. Thank you. Bye, you guys. Bye.